Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Feeling stressed? Explore mindfulness today. The Mindfulness Center at the new MUSC Health and Wellness Institute in Mount Pleasant is here to help you manage everyday stressors through yogic breathing and mindfulness sessions. Individual, group, and virtual sessions are available. Schedule a free 15-minute virtual session with experts to explore what classes are best for you. Dial pound 250 from a mobile phone and say the keywords health and wellness. That's health and wellness to pound 250. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down with their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow but you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500 triple a heating and air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new hvac unit but you have to call today 803-677-1500 and tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 the game's gamecock central podcast triple a air when you need us triple a heating and air 
Thank you, Cox Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Fireman with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, a Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 in the, like, the 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. The game. All right, Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Uh, Pearson's not here today. Terry Ford hanging in with Chris and Wes. If I can turn your mics on, get your punching buttons, which is always dangerous for everyone. Chris Clark, can you hear me? I can hear you. And I can hear you. Hot damn, we're rolling. Wes Mitchell, let's see here. You are on number two, which is between one and three. Wes. What's up? Look at this. So far, it's so like, good. It's like you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at some point, smoke will be coming out of this this board, but that's okay. We don't care. All right. Um, obviously, A&M week, we're ticking. Let's see. It was it 7.30 uh, Saturday night. Our coverage yep. begins at 2.30, by the way, with Gamecock. Uh, our, our Gamecock pregame show with uh, Heath Klein and some dude named Terry Ford. Shameless plug. Get that out of the way. All right. So, 7.30 kick. We're getting to the point now where, you know, we're – almost 48 hours away, which means the tailgating should have started by now. Um, the line is starting to move more South Carolina friendly, which I find interesting. What, what do you guys take from that? Because I know you're both degenerate gamblers. You just don't talk about it. <laughs> what, what do you take from the line shrinking? Uh, it's very pro-Carolina. I mean, I mean, A&M's still favored, but it's, it's moved toward uh, more uh, people putting their dough on Carolina. What do you think there, fellas? I mean, I think there's been some rumors out there about possibly more injuries uh, to A&M, particularly on their offensive line. And a lot of that stuff has not been confirmed that I have seen. But there have been, um, you know, rumors about multiple injuries on their offensive line. So I I think that's got something to do with it. It also, I don't know, maybe people just aren't that high on on A&M right now. I think you you look at sort of the momentum of this game and before the season – I mean, this this probably would have been a two-touchdown line, I feel like. Like, it would have been very, very heavy towards Texas A&M. And now you look at it, it sort of creeped down. I think it opened, uh, depending on where you looked, at, at like four on Sunday. And, um, you know, I, I think a, a night game, a home game for South Carolina obviously plays in. And, uh, you know, the Gamecocks maybe just have a little bit of momentum as far as the perception, whereas the perception of A&M right now um, even though they're still a talented bunch, is just um, I feel like just not very positive in the general sports collective right now. Yeah, I think the the line started fairly low because this is an A and M team that in in a lot of ways has been disappointing. You know, um, they've had very uneven quarterback play. Uh, defensively, they've still been pretty good, except for I guess you could say the Mississippi State game, Mississippi State. That's caused a lot of people problems, not Kentucky, but they've caused a lot of people problems so far this season. But, um, you know, the injury situation, uh, the fact that they haven't played all that well. I mean, you, you look at A&M, they turn the ball over a lot offensively, which is, interestingly, pretty similar to Carolina. And in Power 5 games, they just haven't been scoring points. In fact, the, the highest point total they have this season is 31. That was against Sam Houston State in their in their opener. Other than that, their highest point total, uh, I think, was 24, and that was in a loss <laughs> to mm-hmm. Mississippi State. So uh, 
struggled against App State, scored 17 against Miami. I mean, just not an offense that's doing a lot. So it kind of makes sense that the line started that way. I think it's crept down because, you know, obviously Vegas knows more than we do. Come down a little bit. I, I agree with Wes on the reasoning there. So maybe some injury uncertainties, some quarterback uncertainty because Jimbo Fisher has left the door open. Even though he says Haynes King, their starter, will go, he did get banged up, it appeared, against Bama, and he left the door open for Connor Wegman, their freshman, true freshman, to, to play some in this game. I truly believe if you gave Texas A&M's offense eight downs, they couldn't get a first down. <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer in, in that philosophy. I, look, you start the quarterback position with A&M. Haynes King in that first game against Sam Houston State hit two deep balls down the, down the field, and everybody was giddy. Oh, look at Haynes King open up the offense, but he also threw the ball to Sam Houston State a couple times. What, what, TD interception ratio 5-5, right, with Haynes Mm -hmm. King. So, Haynes King likes to giveth when he's on the field, which (laughs) is a good thing. He does. Um, And the thing is, too, there's a lot of talk, you guys have read it, about Jimbo Fisher not wanting to change his offense and not wanting to change what he asks for his quarterbacks and kind of, hey, Jimbo, come on in the new millennium with the rest of us. And Jimbo just doesn't want to do it. And how much do you think, yeah, we can say it's a Haynes King thing or when Max Johnson was playing, it's a Max Johnson thing. Is this really a Jimbo Fisher thing more than anything else, fellas? I mean, I think there's an argument to be made of that because you look at A&M, even before Jimbo Fisher, I mean, there's never been a problem getting quarterbacks who were highly rated. I mean, at, at times it almost felt like they had too many guys that were highly rated and uh, there's just always a controversy about who should be playing there. Uh, you know, I, I think Jimbo... I think he did a good job with Kellen Mond and sort of later in Kellen Mond's career, you kind of saw um, his upside shine through. And uh, I, I'm looking at that through a prism of just watching those guys just smash South Carolina. So, um, you know, that's part of it from my perspective. But, uh, yeah, I, I think anytime, especially in modern football, you run an offense that takes quite a bit of time for your quarterbacks to get comfortable and then fans – are watching, um, you know, let's take Tennessee for an example. They bring in a transfer quarterback, and uh, last year he just hits the ground, takes off running, and and looks fantastic in it. Fans are going to compare how quickly highly rated guys can get on the field at their school versus other schools, and they're going to look at the best-case scenario, which would be, you know, like Tennessee. It's it's not – I don't care what offense you run – I don't think it's ever easy, but I, I think it's certainly a uh, a valid thought to say that um, Jimbo has been pretty much running this scheme as long as I can remember. I'm sure he's tweaked it over the years, but it looks for the most part to be pretty similar. And when you're not having results, people are going to s- start to ask questions. And um, also when you're paid what he is to come in and be a, quote, uh, offensive genius or, or whatever it is that – he used to be called, um, people are going to point fingers when it looks like this and they're watching other teams go up and down the field. And he's, you know, Jimbo's track record actually recently with quarterbacks, you know, Mond was kind of an exception to that rule. The end of his tenure at Florida State, I mean, after Jameis Winston, <laughs> their quarterback recruiting really <laughs> went in the toilet. That's that's the best way I can put it. Um, and it wasn't all, it wasn't like he was grabbing a bunch of no names. Sometimes it was, guys that had a lot of offers or were highly ranked, and they just didn't work out. You know, so, sometimes it was some injury bad luck or a guy got in trouble, but 
He just had a stretch where it didn't go well. Well, now you bring in Max Johnson from LSU. He's injured. He's out of the picture now. Haynes King was a big-time prospect out of Texas. Uh, Connor Wegman was a four- or five-star guy and one of the top you know, 50 guys in the country, but he's a true freshman. So that goes back to what, to what Wes said of, you know, integrating the guys into this offense and, and taking too long maybe to do that, and that's a good point. But, but the other thing, I mean, holding them back, the turnover issue, you mentioned Haynes King and how he has shown a, uh, an ability or a desire to give the ball to the other team at times this season, and, and that has hurt them. I mean, uh, look at the App State game. You know, they lose that game. They turn the ball over twice. App State didn't turn it over. And there are some remarkable stats in that game. It almost doesn't mm-hmm. seem real. A&M had nine first downs yeah. in the whole game. They had 180 yards, and they possessed the ball for 18 minutes. I was going to say they couldn't get the ball. App State had the ball for like four, almost 42 minutes in that game. It was crazy. That, Just crazy. And A&M ran 39 plays on offense. <laughs> I, I honestly have never heard of a total that low. <laughs> 39 plays. Think about 39. that. In the context H- of a I don't know. quarter game, and college football games now go four to nine hours, depending on first downs, you ran 39 plays. 39 plays, and they had seven penalties on those plays, and they turned the ball over twice. You, you can't win. They still only lost by three. Yeah. I'm I'm not a math expert, but <laughs> that seems bad. When you have a uh, when you have ten plays <laughs> per quarter, just a little bit less than ten plays, <laughs> that is a that's a pretty bad recipe. And and then and then they turn you know, four to one, they lose the turnover margin against Mississippi State. And look, you know, we talk about the Bama game. That that's the one where you want okay, if you didn't get to watch like the entire thing and really, really dive in, or even if you needed to go rewatch it like I did. You go, how, how do they keep it this close? Well, number one, I think Bama has some real issues that have been exposed. But A&M won the turnover battle in that game 4-1. to one. Yeah. 4-1. to one. Uh, And Bama missed two very makeable field goals. I think they missed a 35-yard field goal and one from, like, somewhere between 42 and 47. Uh, A&M got two of their touchdowns off of turnovers from Bama in Bama territory. So – that, to me, as a little preview, is, I mean, it is easy in every game to say, oh, well, if you run the ball, stop the run, and win turnover margin, you're going to win. <laughs> but sometimes it's amplified. Yes. And so for two teams that when they've struggled, uh, South Carolina has actually been, I would say, better than A&M on offense. I don't think that's controversial to no, say I, at all. No, I would totally agree. Yeah. But when they've struggled, it has been because of turnovers. A&M has struggled for a lot of reasons, but that one of their kind of boogeymen so far has been turnovers as well. It feels like, you know, Jimbo's got to do what Nick Saban did. Evolve. It's his E-word. I mean, if you ask Nick Saban 10 years ago that his, that, um, his quarterbacks would be throwing the ball 50 times a game, Nick might have gone into convulsions and had a seizure. And now, you know, that's, that's what Alabama does. They've evolved. Jimbo's got to understand that he needs to evolve that his offense is kind of like stuck in neutral in the mud in a tar pit, and it's time to take a step back and make your offense more friendly to your talent instead of trying to force your talent to play your offense. Right, we're going to get back in here. Let's focus on South Carolina, fellas. Marcus Satterfield at the mic yesterday, and we always love talking about the Gamecock offense, right? That's kind of what we do. 
So let's get into some Gamecock offense. We also have Texas A&M USC tickets to give away during this hour. Any way you guys want to do that since, you know, you've taken over the station for an hour. So come up Ooh. with a ticket idea. Just. Wow. You guys are in. All right. Good. Day. Call, call <laughs> <her> number <laughs> trivia. We're uh, I'm trying to trying to get creative over here. It may, it may take a break for us to <laughs> figure this obviously. out. Yeah, I just kind of sprung that on you. This would give me an idea. And you both looked at me like, well, hell, man, you just said it. Give me a second. I, yeah, I thought you meant give me an idea like later, not uh, <laughs> this exact second. But yeah, we'll um, do that actually, if you come here. up here and beat on the uh, the window at the state. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got some old school ideas in my head of things we used to do back in the day that would get us all a fired, b fine, c arrested. But they would have been a ton of fun. Yes. We just can't do any of them now. So we'll come up with an idea to give you some uh, A&M uh, Carolina tickets for this Saturday night. We'll get back in here. Let's talk about the Gamecock offense. Marcus Satterfield at the mic yesterday. We'll uh, play a little set and also uh, talk about the offense going into the A&M game next. It is the Gamecock Central takeover. Terry Ford hanging in for Pearson. Uh, but Chris and Wes, they're here, and we roll till noon on 107.5 The Game. Broadcasting live from the Herndon Chevrolet Studios, this is 107.5 The Game. Stop by or shop online today and see why Herndon Chevrolet makes you smile. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Terry Ford hanging in for Pearson today. We'll be back tomorrow. Gamecock Central Takeover. We go till noon. You're on 107.5 The Game. Wes is here, though. Chris is here. And I'll make sure I got you guys turned on. Look at me. I'm on a roll. Well, let's not get crazy. All, all, all heck could break loose at any minute. Two for two. Yeah, look at me. <laughs> you, had, you had to ruin the juju there, Wes. Thanks. You know what will happen next time? Guys, guys, can I hear you? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Um, Marcus Satterfield at the mic yesterday talking about, obviously, uh, the upcoming uh, South Carolina-Texas A&M game. And Marcus was asked about the I-word that we all love so much when it comes to the offense, identity. And uh, here is the little Q&A back and forth with Marcus talking about the offense at this point after six games. Marcus, I guess kind of to that in terms of the progression of this offense, when you look at this group from now compared to week one against Georgia State, I guess what stands out? What do you feel like has changed? What's different? What's better? Uh, I watched that game during the open week and I see what you, I mean I about threw up it was bad and uh so I can see your all's vision and, and you know what you're asking me why you're asking me certain questions but uh just I I don't want to sound like a broken record and a typical coach but I mean these kids they just like the old line all they hear about is how bad they are and how they suck but it doesn't phase them they just keep working keep grinding Spencer you know our coaches staff everybody they just we just keep working keep grinding we know we have a long way to go, but I think it's just the commitment to, to work and to develop and to improve uh, that we're all focused on. I think that's allowing us to see small gains from week to week, and I think uh, you know, hopefully they can continue to show up. All right, so that's Marcus Satterfield's uh, thoughts on the offense halfway through the year. Where are you guys at? I mean, Sat brought up the offensive line, has gotten much better. We'll, we'll just start there. Offensive line, it feels like it has gotten much better, right? Yeah, I don't think what a team is in game one has to be what it is in game six, game seven, or, or game 12. You know, um, sometimes we've seen that. Like, you, you can see some alarming things in game one that do continue as trends. 
uh, throughout the season, and that's what you want to avoid. But I didn't. I walked away from the Georgia State game thinking the offense did not play well, but I didn't walk away saying this is just the way it's going to be. You mm-hmm. know, and, and I think even the next couple of games, you could you could see that that there were some things in there that South Carolina had to get cleaned up. And I think they've cleaned up some things along the way. There's still some big ones now that, they, that they're that they going to have to fix going forward. And the two that I've been going to, I've been going to this well often lately, is they've got to cut down on turnovers mm-hmm. and they've got to cut down on negative plays. Both of those metrics are, are way too high. When they're not doing those things, and those are important things, they are pretty good, actually. You know, uh, t- not even, I mean, take out, you know, SC State, Charlotte. They still dominated those teams. That's what you're supposed to do. You don't penalize a team for dominating a lesser team. They played pretty well against a Kentucky defense that has proved itself pretty good, right? Um, they did some things against Arkansas. They obviously struggled against Georgia. But Shane Beamer's even been quick to point out that, hey, I know you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but we saw some things against Georgia that even encouraged us despite how that game went. Yeah, I think um, my my big thing is could this team run the football against um, SEC teams? And I, I think we we watched game one, and I'm sitting there going, they still can't run the football, and this is not an SEC team, obviously. That, that was my biggest concern coming out of game one. I, I thought, you know, are there going to be some situations where the passing game, kind of the, the uh, I guess, timing – is a little bit off. I think that's kind of to be expected. And Beamer even said that was one of the things going into week one, that they were curious to see, you know, is the timing where it needs to be with these receivers and Spencer Rattler. But we're not able to run the football in that game. And then you kind of heard that thing about, well, you know, that's actually a really good Georgia State front. And then you watch <laughs> other teams, you know, have a lot of success against Georgia State. Yeah, you know? I noticed that too, Wes. It was kind of funny how that <laughs> I was like, uh, yes, but no. And, uh, you know, I, I think you you actually you go into Arkansas game, and that was very much a pass first game plan for South Carolina. But when they ran it, you were I don't I don't think that was coach speak where the coaches were saying we saw some good things in the running. If you go back and look at when they actually tried to run the football, you're going well. There was some success. They should have probably stuck with it a little bit more. And so I I think what we saw is they kind of started to find themselves in the two weeks against the lesser opponents. But then you were still saying, can they run the ball against Kentucky's defense? And I that that to me is where fans should be most, um, I would say, optimistic about this offense actually having progress and the offensive line actually making progress is watching the Kentucky game. This is a team, uh, I'm looking, their run defense is pretty good in the conference numbers. They're fourth in the conference right now in yards allowed on the ground per game. So you look at that and you say, wow. Guys ran the football pretty well. A&M has not stopped the run very well this year. No, 115th, I think, in the nation. Yeah, so I, I think that's another opportunity for you to say, um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, identity, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit more. But um, getting Marshawn Lloyd going is pretty much the been the key to this offense making progress. But some of that's been Lloyd. Some of that has definitely been the offensive line. So as much as we like to – uh, throw shade at the O-line, I think it's fair to uh, to give them credit as well. Yeah, and I was – two things. One, the offensive line. I believe it was the South Carolina State game. They 
like ran the same power package. They've ran the same play, I think, and you guys had the, the stat on your site. Like 50% of the time, they just ran the same play with the same like power package. It's like, look, they're not stopping it. Let's just keep running it. What an idea. <laughs> what a crazy idea. Let's keep running it till they stop it. So I, th- I think they started to find, even though – uh, no, I'm sorry. It was it was the it was the Charlotte game. That's where that number came up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they found something because and I'll give Shane Beamer credit for this because Shane Beamer looked at Marcus Satterfield before the Charlotte game and said we're going to run the rock 40 times. Right, Sat. Good. I'll be counting. <laughs> I'll be counting. They ran it exactly 40 times. Which I thought was interesting. It felt like early in the year, and I'll ask you guys this. It felt like okay, we got this f- shiny five star uh, quarterback that we now have. At our university, he can wing it. He can sling it. We saw him his first year at Oklahoma and how that went. This is this is our guy we can maybe run this offense through. And it felt like there was an attempt more to do that early in the year. And Spencer, and we'll talk about this later, that, that just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Spencer Rattler was trying to, you know, hit 80-yard plays you know, every time he dropped back to throw. You know, it just felt like he was trying to do way too much. Then all of a sudden, run it 40 times, Sat, Marshawn Lloyd got going. Then all of a sudden you feel like, wait a minute, this might be the, the, the dude to run the offense through. All of a sudden, Rattler, and again, he's still, to your point, there's too many turnovers, Chris. And the first half against Kentucky, the whole offense kind of bogged down when you have under 100 total yards, but the second half, over 200 total yards. It feels like, though, they kind of got their way with, let's run the offense through this guy wearing the number one jersey, And all of a sudden, Spencer Rattler isn't trying to do too much anymore. The offensive line seems to be doing things they can do instead of asking them to do things they really can't do. And all of a sudden, you have something on offense. I I mean, I've had way too much Baileys and coffee, but have I lost my mind? Help me out. No, not not at all. I I totally agree that they have – they probably – they have definitely, not even probably, shifted, I think, how they've structured the team into what it really should be. You know, and – I thought, mea culpa for, for me, I mean, I thought going into the year, I had still had questions about the run game. And so you look at the fact that, hey, the receiving core should be better. Hey, they have these tight ends. There's no Kevin Harris. There's no Zaquandre White. Marshawn Lloyd has a chance to be really good, but he hasn't shown it yet. This team hasn't shown it yet. And you have Spencer Rattler. So it makes sense to, hey, maybe they go let Rattler sling it and you pass to set up the run. But in reality, it needed to be the opposite. And you mentioned Spencer's 2020 season at Oklahoma. Huge year. I think he completed like 70% of his passes, 3,000 yards, very efficient. Well, look on the other side of that. Oklahoma ran the ball more than they passed it. Yep. So they're very balanced. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of playmakers there. So what they needed to do actually was take some of the pressure off of Spencer. Sat even mentioned early in the year, hey, when you have a guy with Spencer's arm talent, he can th- he can make any throw. It can be what was the word he used? Intoxicating. It was something like that. <laughs> addicting or addicting. Something. Was, I think it was addicting. Was it? Yeah. And you know because you know I can call this play and this guy can execute it if it hits. It's going to be well. A that's touchdown. pretty how he threw that. Right. Right. Exactly. So, but Spencer was pressing, and I think maybe the staff was pressing, and now that they've shown that they can run the ball, they've pared down their personnel packages. Who's playing at receiver? It's come together more now. Yeah, I think um, you look back, we were all probably saying, like, I mean, the excitement level around watching Spencer Rattler play in a South Carolina uniform for the fan base. I mean, it was talked about all offseason. It was, 
you know, let's let this guy go throw it around the yard. And I, I think the, you know, the running game, they always say is a quarterback's best friend, but I think it's also an offensive line's best friend. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to ask this offensive line to just pass protect, uh, especially if the opponent knows that you're throwing. It's another thing completely to ask them to pass protect if you've established the run. And I, I think what we've seen from this group is, one, they being in their second year in this scheme, I think have gotten a lot more comfortable executing you know, those run plays. And yet you you don't need a ton of, quote, different run plays if you drill it down and execute the ones and figure out which ones you do best, and then you just out-execute your opponent. And so I, I think what we're seeing is they're putting themselves in a lot less second and tens and third and nines, and um, those are when you have those plays where people online are saying, well, this O-line stinks. Well, it's because the opponent knows you have to throw, and they're just you know, widening out their pass rush, and they're just pinning their ears back and going. If you can keep that balance, then it definitely plays into the hands of the O-line, and I think all those things are connected. There will be a time, there will be a game at some point where they have to put the ball in Rattler's hands, and they have to trust the O-line to try and uh, you know just go out and pass protect when, it, when they're playing from behind or something. But so far, and I think again this week, y'all, this this could be an opportunity where they go out once again, stick to the game plan. You don't have to necessarily overthink it. Try to get one going, get them the football, and then just build off that and and just stay in this game. Because I don't know if y'all realize this, but the last two times they've played, it has been forty-one to nothing before South Carolina has scored a point. So it'll be progress just to end the first quarter and look around and be like, all right. <laughs> Everybody relax. We're in this. Right. We're in the game. Good. I think the offensive linemen, fellas, you know this. You've been following this forever. Offensive linemen, if you did an offensive lineman survey, they'd rather run block any day because they're being the aggressor. They're attacking mm-hmm. the defense. When you're pass protecting, you're counterpunching all the time. So, yeah, offensive linemen love to fire off the ball in the run game. Absolutely. And it feels like that's the strength of this offensive line. All right, you guys have any recruiting news we can get to in the next segment? Maybe some people visiting. I know you guys have microphones hidden in every teenager's house in America. Yeah, we're still uh, we're still building out and learning more about the visitor list because it should be pretty large, number one, and two, pretty impressive. But we do have some early names we could pass along. Then why don't we do that next? We'll get some recruiting news from uh, Chris and Wes. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Terry Ford hanging in for Pearson. We're rolling till noon with the fellas right here on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Terry Ford hanging in for uh, Pearson Day. He'll be back tomorrow. We have uh, A&M Carolina tickets to give away at some point this hour as well. We've come up with a lot of really good ideas that would get us arrested. So we're probably going to frown upon those because that's all fun until you actually have to get bail money. I mean, mm-hmm. I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> no personal knowledge no, at all. Not at all. Not, I don't have any stories. Just people have I've read stuff on the Internet. All right, so we'll have those tickets to go away here in just a little bit, so uh, be set uh, for that. Also, uh, there are some recruiting visits this weekend. You know, you guys have written on some of the stuff on Gamecock Central about, you know, some of the uh, players that – USC has a uh, has the bullseye on, but please 
Give us the uh, what you have right now, because I know it's going to evolve. I know it's going yep. to expand and all that. But what do you have so far right now, recruits visiting this weekend? Well, they're, they're going to have guys from multiple classes that are priorities or will be priorities into the future. So, like you said, Terry, uh, list is still being built out, still finalizing that before we publish it. But, but a few names to watch here. Uh, there will be some commitments in town. Lots of guys probably from the 2023 class. One key one in the 23 class, this current cycle, Terrence Love, who is an Auburn commitment, uh, could play at high school, He high school level, he can play receiver, DB. Probably with his size and his profile, a linebacker at the next level. South Carolina thinks that he could be a linebacker at the next level. They're still looking, whether it's in high school or eventually in the transfer portal, for some additional help there. So he's a guy that's been committed to Auburn. Not sure if you guys have heard or read. They've had some issues in Auburn this year. Really? Have so, they? <laughs> so uh, th- there's a, there's, the door is open there, and Love is someone that um, they offered earlier this year, uh, I think right before the season, and they've had a little traction with him, but one of the keys has been getting him on campus. So if they can get him on campus for this game, that'll be his first trip. You look at the 2024 class, a couple guys mentioned there, uh, Jaden Bradford, who plays uh, high school ball now at IMG Academy in Florida, but is a Chapin native. He's scheduled to be back on campus. He's been here a bunch. And then a big-time running back out of Florida, Anthony Carey, who has also been on campus before. Uh, he, he will be visiting for the game as well. 2025, uh, one of the guys to watch in-state, Lake City's Amari Adams, a defensive lineman who already has South Carolina, Georgia, a bunch of other offers that have come his way or will come his way. So just a few names to watch there, and there will be more that are added to the list uh, up until kickoff. All right, uh, Wes, out of some of those players, I mean, we brought up the kid that's an Auburn commit. Anybody else in there that we should keep our eye on? Maybe an under-the-radar uh, visitor that you maybe think it, in maybe a year will be going, wow, glad uh, Carolina's on that guy? Yeah, I think you look at that, and a lot of times, like when Chris says 2025, um, People maybe turn the radio off or they just tune out for a little bit because it makes you feel really old to even think about that number. Um, But I I think a lot of times this process starts so early that Mm -hmm. these will be the guys that, you know, a year, year and a half from now, the fans will be eating up every sentence about them because these are the guys that right now they're, you know, they're young, but you have to identify who are going to be the top targets uh, way down the road. So you look at Amari Adams, like Chris said, in-state kid, this state produces defensive linemen. Like, it's a smaller state, but um, it always produces defensive linemen. I, I think Amari Adams is the next big guy in line that we're going to be talking about a year from now as being a four-star prospect, as being, you know, an SEC guy that, that all the schools want. So, um, you know, I, I think any of the 2025s that are that are getting invited this early, that usually means they have a chance and that they're um, – you know, potentially going to be big time targets. So I, I would look um, that the list will we'll hope to have it updated um, by this evening, and I, I think it's going to be a very high list as far as quantity and quality because a it's SEC game obviously, but it's a night game, so it makes it a lot easier for these prospects to logistically get to campus after playing a game on Friday nights. A lot of them versus a noon game yeah. where. You get home late on Friday, you go to bed, you got to get transportation. Maybe if you're three hours away, it's just not not as easy to get here. 
All right. Also, I, I read uh, on you guys' site and some other places about the kid, the quarterback Sellers. I yep. guess the three-star in-state that uh, Marcus Satterfield went and watched. Yes. And he could end up being Sellers, uh, possibly a four-star before it's all said and done. If, you know, we got somebody listening going, who the bleep is Sellers? Kind of give a little uh, info on uh, this uh, in-state quarterback recruit that South Carolina obviously has some interest in. Yeah, they are interested. Uh, Lenora Sellers um, actually wrote about him last night. They can check that out on Gamecock Central. He is at South Florence. And uh, so Satterfield watched him on Friday. And this um, this may be the kid in state who has sort of seen their recruiting stock raised the most this year as a senior. He's had a great senior year, um, has protected the football while also scoring a bunch of points. He actually had nine touchdowns in a game a couple of weeks ago. And uh, with, with Dino Babers watching him, uh, the Syracuse coach. So, uh, you know, I, I think no no offer yet. But this is much more than just like a courtesy visit. You know, you'll see sometimes in-state kid maybe that doesn't have an offer. Coaches will be like, oh, let's do our due diligence. But but an offer maybe isn't likely. In this case, from what I've heard, an, an offer is a very real possibility. It has not happened yet um, as of right this second. But it is a possibility. He's a big-armed kid, 6'2", um, over 200 pounds. He's got some size to him. He's wired the right way, uh, has all the intangibles you're looking for. And um, our, our guys at On3, uh, Charles Power, who I think does as good a job as anybody at evaluating players, um, he loves the kid. So he's kind of been pushing for the possibility of him ultimately being a four-star. All right, good deal. Uh, we will get back in, obviously, in the next segment. Focus back on uh, South Carolina and Texas A&M uh, this Saturday. Also, our ticket giveaway is happening here in just a minute for um, – Texas A&M and Carolina Saturday night at Williams-Brice. But see, if I knew what I was doing sitting over here running this show, I would have come over and said, hey, going into the next commercial break, we're going to do the Gamecock moving um, uh, read. But since I did not do that, hey, Wes, do the Gamecock moving read before we go to break and give away the tickets. How well, smooth am I? Look well, at this smooth guy over here. You're you're assuming that Pearson ever gives me a heads up either. So um, I'm I'm used to this. Uh, and I uh, luckily, y'all, I can personally speak yeah. to Gamecock Moving in that they uh, I've worked with them. They actually helped me and my fiance literally take all of our junk. They packed it up for us. They put it on a truck. They transported it to a new house, and then they unpacked it for us, which was incredibly relaxing compared to the usual moving process, they can do the same for you. Gamecockmoving.com, 803-814-3569. You can call that number. You can text that number. Either way, they have residential and commercial moving services, licensed, bonded, and insured anywhere in the state of South Carolina, and they can coordinate out-of-state moves as well. Again, Gamecockmoving.com, they helped me. They can do the same for you. 803-814-3569. Okay, what the heck? We just do a caller number, whatever, because that won't get us arrested. Yeah, caller number three. Caller number three, we like a caller number three right now. You win tickets to go see uh, Carolina and A&M. 7.30 kickoff, Saturday night, Williams-Brice. Of course, sponsored by our buddies at uh, Honda Power. And we have this little cool sounder that we play. Watch this. Call now to win Gamecocks tickets right here. 803-404-6100. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. Your source for Honda Power Sports. ETVs, motorcycles, side-by-sides, and generators. From your home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And also, we will be talking more uh, Aggies and Gamecocks coming up next 
Gamecock Central Takeover. Terry Ford hanging in for Pearson. Wes and Chris are here. We go till noon. 107.5 The Game. Broadcasting live from the Herndon Chevrolet Studios, this is 107.5 The Game. Stop by or shop online today and see why Herndon Chevrolet makes you smile. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. All righty, we got our winner. Thanks for calling. We appreciate uh, you gave us a ring. Michael Dawkins wins the tickets for uh, A&M and Carolina. Saturday night, Williams, Bryce, 730. Gamecock Central Takeover. Terry Ford hanging for Pearson. Wes and Chris are here. All right, um, Marcus Satterfield, we played a little bit of sat talking about the offense and how it's evolving. And then Marcus uh, also expounded upon uh, Marshawn Lloyd and how Lloyd here in the last like month has has blown up and really become the focal point of the offense. Here's Sat as soon as I hit the button. Well, they've gotten some, you know, got some reps at practice and got some game reps that maybe they wouldn't have gotten if Christian would have been healthy. So I think that'll help you down the road. You know, Christian's fighting his way back and, you know, be glad to get him back out there uh, just, you know, for the one-two punch. So Juju's not having to be, you know, that continually second back. You know, he can get out there and do some certain things, other things on the perimeter. So, uh, you know, Dante, I think, has come in and done some really nice things. The last game got some reps, and then, you know, he keeps improving in practice. But, uh, you know, just as a total room, I think, you know, getting Juju or getting CBS back is going to be huge. Okay, so there's two cuts sitting next to each other, and I'm reaching over here to hit the button while I'm trying to talk on the microphone, and I hit the wrong cut. That is Marcus Satterfield talking about the other running backs behind Marshawn Lloyd when Christian Bill Smith gets back healthy and obviously Juju getting run. But we'll, uh, we'll focus on Lloyd again. Um, with this offense running through him and the fact that Texas A&M is 115th in the nation versus the run, I believe they give up 4.66 yards a rushing attempt. And you think about this for a minute. Yeah, they're young up front, and that's a thing. But, of course, they've got 75 stars on the defensive line at A&M. So it's a really weird defense this year because some of the metrics are really good, and some of the metrics are so bad you go, what's up with that? But their overall de- defensive efficiency rating, I believe, is top 15 in the SP+. So you can run on them, I guess what we're saying. You're tough to score on them, tough to throw against them, but you can run on them. And last time I checked, this offense is better when they're turning around and handing it to Marshawn Lloyd. So there's something here, right, fellas? I guess is what I'm getting to. There's something. It. You know what's, you know what's weird <laughs> is, um, like Terry said, I mean, average yard per rush allowed, terrible. Um, total rushing yards allowed per game, pretty terrible. Um, they've only allowed three rushing touchdowns this year, like that. And and if you look at it down there, where you have it um, set up, where all the other teams that are bad at stopping the run are sort of all jumbled together. For context, Auburn has given up nineteen rushing yard or rushing touchdowns this year. Oh, Vanderbilt has given up fifteen. Mississippi State has given up eleven. Um, Point being, all the other teams that are down there with them as far as not being able to stop the run have given up double-digit touchdowns. South Carolina's given up 10 rushing touchdowns this year for uh, for context. Only three, which I could could be a statistical anomaly where maybe there just haven't been very many goal-line situations. Maybe they've just given up passing touchdowns instead. But um, if, if you look at their overall numbers, they really have not given up a ton of points, which 
it, it just feels kind of like the Kentucky game in that this could be, you know, a 21 to 17. Whoever gets to, let's, let's take the number from earlier. What do you say? They've barely scored 24, I guess, was the most they've scored yeah. in the game. Mm-hmm. Whoever gets to 24, um, Probably has a, a really good chance to win this game. I think it feels like again. I don't gamble because I'm pro. I'm broke and poor. But if I did, I take the under. I yeah. feel like the under is the play here uh, in this game. And, and going to what West just said, Chris, you know, it could be an anomaly. The lack of rushing touchdowns against them. It could be a lack of opportunity for the other team. Maybe A and M is. This has been a much better defense as you get closer to their goal line. Whatever. They're just. Their stats are just weird on defense because some are so good and some are not so good. I, I think what that actually illustrates, and I think the watching their games backs this up, is just this inconsistency. And Jimbo talked about that on Monday. When you look at eye tests, their front seven, they look really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are impressive. It's a bunch of former, like you said, it's a bunch of, top 100 guys and four and five stars, and a lot of them are young. They're first- or second-year players. Now, they have some mixed in that have a lot of experience. Antonio Johnson, their nickel, one of the best players in the conference. I mean, he's really, really good. Um, Fadil Diggs, monster, calls two fumbles against Alabama. Um, they're linebackers. They've got some guys that have some experience, but they're inconsistent. Sometimes, If they shoot the right gap, you're in trouble. If they don't, you got a chance for a big run. And – you know, something's going to give here. Um, South Carolina, we know, has to have success on the ground. We were talking about this during the break. Like, you look how the last, really, the last three games have gone, but in particular, the last two, I mean, West side the stat, South Carolina gets behind 41 to nothing before you blink combined in those two games. First half last season could not have gone worse for South Carolina. You give up a 95-yard punt return touchdown after your first uh, possession. And, and here's a really bad statistic they have to make sure they don't even come close to repeating. Longest run in the first half last year, eight yards, hmm. and it was Zeb Nolan. I was about to say, was it a QB scramble? <laughs> it was Zeb Nolan on like a second 16. So other than that, they, it was a lot of loss of yards, two yards. There was like a four sprinkled in here and there for Juju McDowell. Lloyd didn't get going in that game, so – this, this is an area they've got to improve a lot. And so I think there are some plays to be had there. Like you look back at what they've done this season, they do create some negative plays because they're very talented, but they also get out of gaps sometimes, and you can block them. And so that's what South Carolina is going to have to do in this game. All right. Um, and as we uh, look at this real quick, with the remember the cut I played, the wrong cut I played. What the heck? <laughs> Let's talk about that real quick. Um, the depth. I mean, Christian Beal Smith, it would be nice to have Christian Beal Smith healthy and 100% to kind of give you uh, that second back to get some carries. And, and so Lloyd isn't, you know, the usage rate isn't off the charts, even though we want to see Lloyd, you know, with 20 to 25 touches. Christian Bill Smith, Juju McDowell is a change of pace in space. They do have some depth pieces here that can help as well, right? They do. And I, I think the interesting thing with what Chris just said is that uh, when you said that they're a team that can get bounced out of their gaps, but also if they – are correct in their gaps, they can uh, really hurt you. This is the Carolina offense in the running game that we've seen have a bunch of negative plays, but also have a bunch of chunk plays as well. So uh, I think who who can be the most consistent 
uh, whether it's their run defense or a Carolina run offense, uh, probably is going to be the key to this game. Because we, we saw, I mean, that fourth and two where they went for it against Kentucky, there were like five guys in the backfield. So yeah. uh, they've, they've allowed too many negative plays, but they've also had success running the football. So what's going to give there will be very curious to see. All right, Gamecock Central. You guys have this website, right? GamecockCentral.com I've heard of. We do. Yeah, It has been around since 1998, actually. Look at that. And your stuff, I mean, Wes has already posted three articles while we did this uh, show. So you can go there, get all the content you want. Dude, it's good hanging out with you. We do this every now and then just so I can remind myself that I have no idea what I'm doing on this side of the glass. Hitting buttons. (laughs) Let's let's give a shout-out to our buddy Josh Yeoman. Josh, we gave away the tickets, man. They're gone, Josh. Quit texting us. You know what? I'm going to block him and get a restraining order. If he would listen to the show, he would know (laughs) that we gave him away. (laughs) Hey, Josh, listen. (laughs) Wes, Chris, thanks, fellas. That's our Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pierce will be back with the guys tomorrow. Halftime show coming up next on 107.5 The Game. Hey, gents, let's talk Halloween for a second. What is your favorite Halloween memory? One time I saw Nightmare Before Christmas performed live at the Hollywood Bowl. Walking with your kids. It felt so magical. And after they've got their candy and they walk away. So pure. The dad inside the house is handing you a beer. My dad, when I get home, he would have me like empty out all the candy to make sure that it's safe. And it wasn't until I was about 35 that I realized, what the f***? He was just eating my candy. Rude. What's your favorite Halloween costume? One year, I was Matthew McConaughey's character from Dazed and Confused. One year, I was like, I would like to be roadkill. The Halloween costume was a plastic smock and then a really scratchy plastic mask. I mean, you were styling if you had one of those. Aquaman, the plastic mask cutting into your eyes, and then you get that little hole in the mouth to breathe through all night long. What's your favorite Halloween candy? What's your favorite candy, man? Anything Reese's, Snickers bars. It's all the food groups. It's got a meal. Nuts, you've got caramel. Yes. Candy corn. I love Me too. Corn. Wait, really? I'm one of the small percent of people who actually really enjoys candy corn. It gets a bad rap. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween from the Cumulus Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe and follow us at youtube.com slash Cumulus Podcast. Candy corn is terrible. It's atrocious. It shouldn't be allowed. It's not a candy. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.